I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Welcome one and all to another fine episode uh, I almost said something else. I don't know what I was going to say. Of Knife Talk. Of Knife Talk. <laughs> and I almost said Forge of Fire. I was like, this is a Forge of Fire. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. Anyways, uh, yeah, this is this is Knife Talk. This is your podcast that you love uh, and you hopefully have subscribed to. But uh, this is where we just talk about knives. We talked about... We talk about steel, we answer people's questions, we bust each other's chops, uh, and we're here to just have some fun and kind of bring some bring some humor to your to your own workshop and your commutes or wherever you listen to us. Uh, where I'm here with uh, the illustrious Mr. Jeff Fader uh, of Fader Knives, uh, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, and I myself am Mareko Malmasi of Malmasi Fire Arts. How are you guys doing? How's your last week been? Craig, what do you got? I'm still stranded in the UK, stranded with no machinery, stranded. nothing I can work with, but we do fly back tomorrow, so I cannot okay. wait to get back into the workshop. Yeah, um, but trying to keep busy, so I mean, the, the various things I can do, you know, lots of emails catching up on, um, I've made a few sort of small promo videos for a few knives that have just been sticking around, haven't been selling, um, so hopefully I can get them shifted soon. Um, and I've just been thinking about the, fut- the future of chop knives, and I think it, it's pretty limited. So I've registered chopforks.com this week. So I've been working on some forks, and I'm hoping, you know, that's going to do me well. That's what, a strong move. What about move. yourself, Jeff? A strong move. Think, ah, look, you know, it was another week where we got some work done. I I finished some knives and put them in the mail. Um, I'm psyched about that. And, uh, you know, let's cut the crap. I got an email that uh, that I posted that I got a, I got one of those emails that uh, Forge and Fire is sending to everybody. Let's just be clear. I did see. I did see. And I got it's. And let's just be. I'm going to be 100% clear. It was an email inviting me. They had the nerve to invite me to apply. So they weren't. And that's what they send to everybody. I think if you can turn a screwdriver, they send you this email. And and <laughs> they sent me this email, and I thought, ah, you know, it's funny. And then they also wrote, ah, you know, we're we're interested. In maybe you apply. Maybe you applying for the for Forge and Fire. And I just like, and it said at the bottom, we know we've asked you before, but we thought maybe you'd change your mind. I th- it wasn't really, I, they didn't call me and say, Jeff, we need you on the show, but here's how it is. So I decided to put it up on Instagram Live and on Facebook, just as a joke. My DMs blew up harder than anything I've ever done <laughs> in my life. I got messages from Forge and Fire <laughs> champions. I got messages from people who've been on Forge and Fire. I got people saying, you should do it. I got people saying, don't do it. I've gotten, I mean, I was dumbfounded at the response from this thing and you know a couple guys like jeremy said oh i just got that jeremy spake said i got that email and lucky nail blacksmith said i got that email too and i i didn't i didn't make it sound like i'm going on the show but i was stunned at how people but you are though you are though yeah well you know i i'll tell you i'll tell you what i i i um i thought about it for a while and I really made um, a conscious decision based on you know a lot of things, what people have said, people haven't said, and I made a I made some demands. I made some demands, 
And if the, my demands are met, maybe we'll go. Maybe we'll maybe maybe we'll do it. But basically, I was really irritated that they would say we want you to apply. We we're inviting you to apply. I'm like, no, no, no. Here's my application right now. If you want the interview, now's the time for the. I'm interviewing right now. If you want interested in me in the show, here's how it's going to work. <clears throat> Number one, if I'm on the show, I don't want to start off with the first producer who makes the first phone call. I want that. I've been on enough TV to know that the first producer, he's the guy who's going to say yes, yes, yes. I want the last producer. I want the last producer who's going to tell you how it really is. That's the guy I want to talk to. And I got some things I want. I want. I want. I want. Uh, I want to make sure that I wear my T-shirt. I know they don't like that, but I want my T-shirt. Not to mention, I want the contestants I'm going with. I want there to wear their T-shirts too, and I want all of our names. And here's what I'm going to offer in return. I will offer incredible ratings. I'll do everything I can to be as entertaining as possible. <laughs> if I hurt myself, whatever, I, I'll make it happen. And we'll use knife. I feel like t- you're reading from Art of the Deal. And, well, that definitely sounds like a hard sell, that's for sure. And then what we'll do is we'll use our platform <laughs> on Knife Talk to help promote it. And if I win, God forbid, I probably won't, I'll donate every nickel to a veterans organization or something like that. That's my interview. Highly commendable. That's my interview. But otherwise, get bent. That's it. (laughs) And the blue M&M, blue M&M's backstage, surely. You're demanding that. No, no, I don't want anything. Listen, you know what? Honestly, what I was thinking was like, well, I got to board my dogs. Can I afford to do this show? Just because, like, I got, you know, there are bills to pay. It's not like I can ask my boss if I can take the time off. You know, it's like, hmm. you know, I'm the boss. And if we're not making lives, I'm not making money. But I'm gonna, f- I'm, but I'm damn sure not gonna fool around. Yeah, I mean, Mareko will know. Obviously, he's been on the show you know, more than once. Do, do they yeah. cover any expenses at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, they they put you up in a hotel. Uh, they travel you around. They actually, I think, they give you uh, money to cover your own food costs while you're there. Right. Uh, but outside of that, um. You're doing it on your own dime, on your own time. Yeah. Uh, on your own dime, I mean by you're losing the time you're not at home working in a shop. That's hours lost. And, you know, I think both times I did it because I made it to the finals. It's a total of about two and a half to three weeks worth of work oh. that's gone that you don't get back. And if you lose, guess what? You get nothing. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. Second placers get their swords now or the, whatever their weapon is. Uh, but... Otherwise, you get nothing. You're the, you're actually the biggest loser. Mm. Not the first person out. The <laughs> second place loser. They're gonna have to board my dogs. They're gonna have to board my. <laughs> they have to pay for to board my dogs. I can't. You know, I can let the dogs out at lunch. So yeah, somebody's gonna have to do something about that. You know. Yeah. And <laughs> I got hard sell by our friend uh, Chris DeCesar of of Ford of fans of the Forge. He wants me to do it. Like I can't go on his show if, if I'm not on that. If I'm on, come on, Chris. I, Is that Chris that called you a bitch? Yeah, week? Chris that called me a bitch, and <laughs> and I Chris called me a bitch, and he made a very I'm not going to say lame, but it was a weak apology where he blamed for calling me a bitch. He blamed <laughs> your shopmate Peter Burt Schwartz, Peter Burt Schwartz. <laughs> he said it was his fault, but you know Peter Schwartzberg, Peter Schwartzberg, yeah. not Peter Burt Schwartz. Sorry about that, Pete. Um, yeah, so other than that, 
I'm I'm just joking around with 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 Chris. We love fans of the Forge, but you know, come on, man. Yeah. Um, come on, man. And but here's it. the thing, Jeff. Here's the thing. Go ahead. If you do get on the show, yeah. No cheating. No cheating. What does I've that mean? Be- yeah. I've here's- got some beef. Wait a I've second. Got some beef, right? Last week, last week we had our our champion of champions <laughs> quiz. Right. That was- it was clearly set. Jeff said, "Let's bring in my buddy and to I be judge." First of all, I, red flag should have went up. His buddy to be the the judge. You know that's yeah. not right. Yeah. Jeff clearly knew the answers beforehand. Oh yeah, he yeah. his buzzer seemed to be on some sort of delay because we were buzzing him before him and his best buddy was saying, "Jeff, what's the answer?" and giving him the I- points. <laughs> he even had one of the questions wrong and still had the points. The Rambo knife, you yep. had that question wrong, still had the points. It was, yeah, it would, didn't make any sense, and we need to read. We need to read. I, I, I'm pissed. We need to redo Craig, it, Craig. Craig. Yeah, I think we gotta we gotta do that over. Here, here. Yeah, go listen. go listen to the episode. You listen real closely. You'll hear Jeff's buzzer comes in second after after myself, and then after Craig in the next question. Listen yeah. to me. Listen to me. Must be nice to have the friend as the question. Listen, asker. Oh, yeah. listen to me, guys. Guys, this is, come on, man. This, number one, <laughs> you think that I was given the questions like like Fred Flintstone, who's on Flint the Flintstones? If if I if he had given me the questions, I would have known how many people are on a baseball diamond. Clearly, I oh, didn't. you know exactly which questions you got the buzz in second on. I will say <laughs> that there the was some. Question. I will say this. I will say this. I did listen back, and I was a little bit surprised. There were some inaccuracies in a the accounting of how we played, and b there were some big delays. There were some big delays. I definitely like at one point. I think I might have buzzed in third, and I still got to answer the question. So. You're not 100% wrong. <laughs> there nice. was some fishy shit going on. However, I, if I if I knew all the questions beforehand, I would have rung in early, right? That's a classic lie. It's like taking an exam and, you know, you, you already know the answers. You're not going to get 100% right. You get caught out. But why you would I just, get the stupid just questions enough right? to win, and that's but what why, we did. But why would have gotten... What we did. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, you know, look, at, I don't 100% disagree with you. <laughs> I don't. I mean, it was you know. I don't. So I it, mean, it's going to happen again. Not next week. Not the week right. after. But so, soon we're going to need to redo this quiz. So yeah. we need, yeah. need to find a another quiz master who is independent. Uh, yeah. Not Jeff. Maybe Chris. Not we'll Jeff. Chris oh, not fucking yeah. Chris. <laughs> he doesn't like. He Chris. doesn't like Jeff. That'll work. Chris, you gonna call me a you call me a bitch? You think I want him to be the judge? Come on, man. Better get this question right, bitch. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Listen, you know what? I'm not fighting you that much because clearly there were some uh, irregularities. <laughs> all of a sudden, there was a shock in my voice when I, when I found out we were all tied up. I was like, wait, what is that? What you, how's that possible? I just got two wrong. So there was definitely a little bit of, uh, there was some accounting issues. That's what I'm going to say. Definitely. Irregularities, ca- accounting irregularities. We'd have to account in for dummies. We'd have to send the <laughs> Come on, man. Rick. Rick is awesome. Dude. Rick Barter did a great job. I, you know, I, I, he's no, not Rick, in the quiz master game. Job. We got to get someone who we might have to do some, you know, interviews. Oh, all right, I'm going to do a Forge and Fire. I'm interviewing you. I'm going to. I'm requesting you to interview to be an interview. You know, they've got to have a gold sparkly jacket, and they've got to be, you know, they've got to be a proper quiz master. Fine, and we are accounting. We are. We have to get the accounting better. And number two, I listened to that Rambo question, and I know all these people say, it wasn't Gil Hibben, it was, you know, Freddie Lyle or whoever the hell it was. 
And I, I did read that. I did re listen to the question. And I think he said, who made a knife for the Rambo movies? Not the first knife. So I, yes, there were some irregularities in the answering. And what can you do? Look, you know what? Maybe you're wrong. Yeah, I'm not. I'm still. I'm still bitter, honey. I'm still. Bitter. Well, you're, yeah. yeah, I know why you're bitter because you. I. I, I got a feeling that you. Uh, I got a feeling that you're not a very good loser when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to board games. I, I ought to talk to your family. I got a feeling you're one of the guys who who when they uh, monopoly, well, not when people th- cheat. That's bullshit. When you throw the ball the board up, I, I got a Flipping feeling the board. <laughs> I think you're. I think you're a board flipper. <laughs> I oh. think I've definitely flipped a board before. My mother yeah. is the she flipped boards. She flipped boards when I was a child. She would flip the board. <laughs> it's the on my mother's side of the family. They are so competitive. It's like it's a little scary. My grandfather <laughs> used to cheat at cards. And maybe maybe you maybe you're right. Maybe uh, maybe I got it in my blood. It's in your you got, yeah, you come from some good stock there, buddy. Uh, maybe that's the case, but I'll tell you what. If you get me on Forge and Fire, I'm going to cheat. You know how I'm going to cheat? You know how I'm going to cheat? You're going to trip people? What? You're going to trip people? No. Here's how I'm going to cheat. I'm telling you right now. You let me on that show, I will give every nickel and dime of, of, a win, of all the winnings to a veteran's charity. And I'm going to talk to my contestants, and I'm going to tell them that. And I'm going to say, listen... You got two uh, options here. If you let me, if you take a dive, you're gonna be cool because you're gonna you're gonna be d- helping donate to this charity. But if you take the money, you be, might be a bad American. I think you just fluffed the interview. I don't think they're having you on the show anymore. What are you talking about? Come on, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I, I'll make it happen. But that's how you that's how you win that game. Morocco, how's your week been? Well, I'm still reeling from my bullshit loss. But, <laughs> Come on, man! Um, I thought we covered that. <laughs> but uh, I, I just finished up this this build, uh, this giant chef's knife I was talking about last week. Actually, it's eleven and a quarter inch chef's knife, giant gyudo, uh, with Japanese style faceted handle, all Buckeye burl, uh, soft uh, software. I almost said software uh, handle material and saya matching saya with a leather. With leather uh, kind of padding or whatever you want to call it on the inside lining, um, everything finished out beautifully. And I just finished. I turned out the uh, the retention pin. Turned it yesterday. I do a, a Dremel on Dremel action, where I chuck it in one Dremel and then use the other Dremel to to basically lathe and shape it. That's a strong. Uh, that's always fun. It's always a, a whirlwind of dust when I do that. Uh, but yeah. otherwise, got just got that finished up and made sure. You know, it's hilarious. I'm always like. My wife's asking me, when, are you gonna, when do you think you're going to send that out? And I'm like, oh, I just got a couple of things to finish up on it. And then uh, I should probably be sending it out tomorrow. And it always takes a whole nother day to finish things out. Just all the little nuts and crannies. Nuts and crannies. The nuts. All the nuts and crannies. Nuts and crannies and getting everything, just getting everything tidied up. Because I want it to be just like perfect when it gets out, you know. That that sayer from the pictures that I saw, it seemed to have sort of tags on there. Are they just were they just for sort of holding it for clamping that kind of thing? Yeah, so I put those little tabs on there to help with uh, keeping everything lined up mm. um, because I actually cut a pocket on both sides. And usually, if I'm just doing a pocket on one side, um, then it's not too much of a pain. And I still use the tabs for keeping everything lined up, but mostly that's just for grain. But when you have a cu- pocket cut on both sides, 
um, then you really got to make sure everything lines up really, 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 really well. And um, and so that is, it was really crucial to have um, those kind of indexing tabs um, uh, around the outside edge so that when I glued everything up, everything lined up and matched up perfectly. And they did. And everything, it fits so nicely together. And um, yeah. Came, I use that trick. Good. I use that trick that I saw you do that a couple like last year. I used that trick when I made the lure side, and it worked like a charm. Oh, dude, it's it's the best. Yes, yeah, it's, it's such a strong move because then you just knock them off at the end. You knock the tabs yep. off at the end, and bingo, bango, bongo. Well, and that the other thing. Is, so the biggest reason I started doing that was because I wanted the grain to line up really well from side to side. Because usually I'm working with. Uh, something that's got some nice figure in it and stuff like that and it drives me crazy when the grain isn't lining up and so i uh but part of the trouble is that you have to cut out one side especially if you're doing the single pocket so one side's got the pocket cut into it um where the knife is going to end up going you got to cut out the parameter of the thing but then how do you i don't know it's, it's just tricky trying to figure out how to keep all the grain lined up and i realized if you kept these little tags then um you can have everything line up really well and instead of trying to cut it out side to side and stuff too early and i don't know it's, i'm not doing a great job explaining yes but you it's are just, it's it, super helpful so the tabs are you basically you make your outline of the of the of the saya and then on both sides and then you make these little tabs and then you drill your through holes through those tabs so if you put pins all the way th- on both uh, through the tabs then your li- it naturally lines it up yeah, and I'm just using some cheap eighth-inch drill bits that I got from the hardware store. I have a question um, for you. You know, in a pack do you, of eight. Yeah. Do you, how do you line the inside of your sias? So usually I don't line them. Okay, good. Um, because I'm usually working with a softer wood. But this Buckeye was super tough and super hard. And um, the, the concern with that, especially with a Damascus knife, is that over time, if there's for whatever reason, a, a portion of the saya uh, in the pocket, either something gets in there or so, something isn't even, and it rubs against the, the wood, uh, it's going to burnish it over time and kind of distract from the patterning, I guess, on the blade, especially in Damascus. So uh, I did a leather lining on the inside of this one, and actually, I really liked it. It was it was pretty straightforward to do. I thought it was going to be a huge pain in the ass, but it was really easy. And... Um, and, and and it just gives that extra security of like everything being really nice and smooth and yeah. comfortable in there, and uh, it has some give. So if whatever for whatever horrible reason something gets in there, um, instead of having a hard backing of wood behind, you know maybe it's a piece of dried pizza crust or something like that, um, <laughs> then it's not you know grinding between the wood and the blade. It has this uh, it has this piece of leather in there that helps. It gives a little. It has a little give to it, and so it kind of hmm. pushes into the leather instead of having a firm backing my f- uh, to really grind that into the blade. My fear was always if you put some felt in there, if your knife accidentally caught a spot, it would just like caught a piece of the felt, then all of a sudden, you know, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse, and then you're going to have like a, the inside of your side is just going to have this floppy felt inside. Yeah, that was a concern of mine too. And I realized that if you snug up the opening of the saya so that it fits the contours, the, like the cross-sectional geometry of the blade, uh, it doesn't want to kind of like flop around in there. It just basically goes straight in and you never have an issue with that. 
I would think the leather would probably be better because that the the felt has got like a little bit of you know fuzz that your tip the tip of your knife could catch if you're not putting it in exactly yeah, yeah. straight. For and sure, the, fe- for sure. the felt may hold a bit of moisture as well, mightn't it? So you may get this damp horribleness that you're putting your knife into, whereas leather right. wouldn't do that so much. Well, and traditionally speaking, uh, you know, uh, they like especially in sword making, they actually used to line the the sword or the sheaths with a, a kind of like lanolin or something like that, and um, and that would hold oil or felt, and that would hold oil to help keep the blade, uh, mm. for, protect the blade from corrosion. And so, if you're using oh, a, uh, you could use like a subaki oil. You could use, yeah, like a tsubaki or a camilla oil. Put that on your blade. You put it in there, and it kind of self-oils over over time. Nice. Um, but the trick is making sure you're using the right stuff because not all leather is good for that. Um, and and also, uh, the, when it comes to the adhesives, there are certain adhesives that kind of break down if they are exposed to either water or oil. And so... Um, that would be terrible if you're oiling the blade and putting it in the side and then it just slowly kind of deteriorates and comes apart because uh, that, you know, that glue is susceptible to that oil. Um, so you got to make sure you're using the right adhesives, the right kind of liners and stuff. And then for what, if you were going to go with putting oil on your thing and uh, but otherwise it should be good. So many things. Knife making is hard. Very hard. That's just... There's, I mean, what's it? It is hard, but you know, people. Fortunately, people have been doing it for thousands of years, and like I said, you know that, uh, you know that was sword stuff <laughs> that uh, that in, informed me about the oil and using kind of the felt liners and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but that's it's all not... systems. It's all that's the 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 most important part for your brain. Is... Yeah. Is yeah, let's get you, it clear. It's not it's not art, it's systems. I didn't say that. There's no there's I, no artistry I, to it. No, I think you're wrong. I think it is art. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Moving on. Moving on. So Jeff, you sold your integral knife this week as well, didn't I you? Did. I did. I did. Nice. I actually I had a uh I had a uh I, I tell you what, it's funny. And uh I started last week and I got a nice I got a nice message from uh Greg Sims uh over uh, this week. So he listened to the podcast and he was saying we were talking about how so we changed my website so we can um I can add stuff quickly and we needed to add something a quick little you know something we can put up quick and see what happens really to kind of test the waters and see how Instagram works and stuff and I made this joke that you know at eight o'clock in the morning people watching Instagram stories are just you know fooling around and then you know so we put one up and it didn't go and I, and I didn't pad the I didn't call, I didn't email any of my customers, I just kind of put it up and see how it went, and then, um, I, it didn't, you know, it went, it went, at the end of the day, I, it went, uh, it went great, but, uh, he was suggesting, he was suggesting, instead of going Instagram stories, he was saying, you know, you could use MailChimp to your customers and just give them a heads up, and it's a little bit better way to kind of, like, give your peep, give your, uh, mm. your customers an opportunity to kind of, uh, get the heads up before everybody else does, and that was a really good yeah. idea. But I will say that I have got to figure out a better way to do it for this reason. It was exhausting, and it was figuring out how to do the Instagram stories, and then being anxious, and then dealing with the DMs, and then it was like, when it was all said and done, I I, I mean, I was like so fixated on trying to sell this knife for some reason, when Mm -hmm. I should have just been like, put it up and leave it alone. It, It exhausted me. It exa- I mean, I was literally like wiped out. Like my my my, I was just like my 
fucking guts felt terrible. I, I was like, I got to do this on like a Saturday or Sunday or something. When you when you would do gallery shows, would you feel the same way? I just like nervous about whether or not your stuff was going to sell or that's a f- what people were going to think of it. That is an awesome question. Here's what I'll tell you. I hated openings. I hated everything yeah. about openings. My my dad was a painter. My sisters were sculptors. We hate openings. We are the we 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 like it when it's finished and you hand it off to the curator and that's the end of it. I never I never had a show where I felt like I have got to sell everything here. But it is anxious making because what happens is is like worse than having a gallery or art show is having an open studio. Like I was in this space where there were all these artists and we would open it up to the public and people would walk through your shop and it's you know when you're making something for anybody you're being you're very vulnerable to criticism and it isn't just criticism of all oh, the plunge line like this and oh, sad and finish like that it's 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 the whole thing it's your intentions it's that's the hardest part about you know making something to give to somebody or making someone for it to be you're you're putting out well, you're super vulnerable this knife you made but you made this knife for your own satisfaction so that's got to be even more nervous making to see how, to feel the concern or maybe the worry of people judging how you do something for yourself personally for your own personal growth and exploration i w- on this particular knife contracted build i was focusing on i i feel like i've gotten my I'm, I'm knocking on wood i feel like i've gotten my heat treatment down better thanks to nick anger nick nick helped me a lot in regards to that I was focusing on the connections. I was focusing that particular knife. I was focusing on the connections of the bolster and the spacers and the handle. I really wanted it to be a super, super tight. I see what a lot of guys are doing and I'm like, you know, that's what I want. So I was really focusing on that connection and I, it was good. And the guy was super happy, picked it up yesterday. But it was like, you, you are, when you're making anything, you're super, you're putting yourself out there. And you're vulnerable to, uh, and this isn't the criticism, like, I don't like the way you make your knives, but it's like you're, when you're, especially when you're making art or making sculpture, you're, you're putting it out there and saying, all right, this is the best I can do right at this point. This is what I'm doing. And you know, people walk around and they just, yeah, not for me or whatever, but it's, it's emotionally, it can be exhausting. I think yeah. there's a there's a pressure to sell as well because that's not normally how you sell your knives. Normally, most of your things are commissions or whatever it may be. This was a case of just putting something out there. It was very visible. People know if it's been sold. And I made a conscious decision just last week. So I've been over here in the UK, not been able to make, and I've had three or four knives that I've had on the website that have been available for about two months. And I'm like, these just aren't selling, you know? And I, I don't understand why because I'm getting... So commissions coming in, but these knives which are which are done and available to buy aren't selling, and it's like oh, I need to get them shifted. But you know, I did a bit of a sort of promo on them when they, when they were first made. I you know I made posts about them and so on, and they didn't sell. So now I've literally just this morning I've been making videos to try and get these knives sold. Um, but you know, at first I was like, oh, well, I don't really want to be posting about these again because it's obvious that they haven't sold. But then I just thought, it, you know, I'm, I'm not one for these like motivational speeches or quotes that you see everywhere. But I, I saw one the other Thank day saying, God. "What would you do if you, What would you do if you weren't scared?" And I think that's going to change the way that I'm doing things. So these haven't sold, and I'm going to put them up again, and I'm going to put up, you know, videos of them again and promote them again because it it can be a bit. I mean, we've all got egos to stroke, and we've all got you know, we've all got pressures to sell that kind of thing. It can be a bit, you know, sort of. You're putting something up there, and 
most of my followers on Instagram are probably other knife makers and not necessarily my audience. So I know they're not going to buy. Right. But I also know that they're going to be checking to see if that's sold, to see how well I'm doing, you know? And I just think I, I'm letting that go. I'm letting that go. I've, I've, got, I've got to sell these knives. I've got, I've got family to feed, that kind of thing. So this ego of mine, I need to sort of strip back. And, and, and I think for you when, you, when you're putting your knife up in a different way, Maybe that's why you're feeling the pressure. Maybe that's why you're feeling a bit sort of nauseous about it because it's visible. I, Everybody can see. I get nauseous anyway. I mean, I, I, I'm going to get <laughs> nauseous. At, you know, whether or not it, it was, it was, it was more, it was more exhausting. Like two weeks ago, mm. I put up the two knives and they went in half an hour. So then yeah. there's the pressure of like, I was looking at the clock this week. I was like, oh, an hour passed. That's I don't. That's not as good. And and it was like it was. And then I and then I was talking to Tony. Tony's abroad. He's coming back soon. And he was just like, "Dude, leave it alone. Just walk. To go back to work. What do you? Ca- <laughs> refresh, doesn't matter. Refresh. We're not, refresh. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? Leave. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I was I was refreshing the website. I was just like, oh, it's not cloudy yet. When's it going to be cloudy? But uh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 a dumb <clears throat> game. I I I'm not. I shouldn't yeah. be focusing on. Uh, I shouldn't be focusing on selling my knives to make other knife makers like them. I need to yeah. be selling my knives to customers. So that's, you know, that's, that's a whole, we're all, you know, listen, we're all crazy. We're all, let's face it. If we were normal, we'd be lawyers or doctors or, or, or so, we're, we're, we're these so, solo people. All, we have mental issues. We have mental problems. We're not normal people. Well, I think something also to keep in mind, and I've experienced this with other friends uh, who are trying to advertise or sell things or just inform people that they have something coming up, like especially with the guys here at Dragon's Breath Forge, they're doing these open shop class or class time, but it's not really a class. It's just, it's an opportunity to come in and work in the shop and have access to all these great tools and equipment. Um, Mostly it's students that uh, sign up for it, but essentially it's having shop time. Um... And I think they posted about it maybe once. And the problem is, is that you got to, unfortunately, you got to do it more than once because, uh, you know, it's the, the internet and social media is a fire hose of information. What mm-hmm. I mean by that is there's just so much coming at you all the time that it, not everybody's going to catch it. You, the one time or the two times or even the, the 10 times that you put something up. It, you you kind of, especially, and I'm not saying that you, because, you know, like you were saying, Jeff, you're not necessarily concerned about, you you shouldn't have been overly concerned necessarily for this one to sell because you, you got commissions, you got other stuff you work on. You just finished that giant batch of Nikiris. Uh, like, that's pretty impressive. So, you, like Tony was telling you, you should have just, you know, you put it up, forget about it. Um, and, but I think also when it comes to the, just making sure, or kind of, being concerned that people aren't seeing your posts or people aren't interested, the problem I think a big factor is that people just aren't seeing it sometimes. Mm. Or and they once don't... it goes by, and once it goes by, it's gone. And it's gone. we don't care. A lot of people don't care. People yeah. people aren't thinking about your shit all the time. And just to well, just maybe to... they're not in the the mindset to do yeah. it. Maybe they're in the middle of work sure. or something, or they're just looking really quick, and it just happened to swipe past. Like it literally takes That's, less than a second. This for, cus- to swipe past the on. customer bought the knife. Just happened that he was on his way home. He he was on his way home from his job. He was swiping up. He's like, yeah, let me give him a call." So he bought it. I will tell you a funny story with Tony. Tony is very good. I've known Tony for a long time. He's my business partner. He's been winding me. He winds me up a lot. 
and it's it's great and he's just it's fine so i said so he wrote uh because the first ones went so fast so after about an hour he says what they haven't sold yet just to kind of wind me up <laughs> and then and then i said he said what's wrong what's wrong with the eyes well how come it didn't sell so he's totally winding me up and i say yeah you know what could you do and he goes and then he writes back from he's in asia right now he writes back well, that's another one for the scrap heap, and that was the end of the conversation. He said, one <laughs> more for the scrap heap, and then I didn't hear from him for the rest of the day. I was like, God damn it, Tony. You know, but it's very, very funny, you know. That's funny. Hey, funny guy. What can you do? We're all neurotic. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> so we've asked for questions from you again this week, but following on from last week, we've also asked for your... This is Jeff's idea, not mine. <laughs> Your relationship advice. So we're going to do our best. I, this is turning into Frasier. You know, people people coming up with their problems, and we're trying, oh, we're trying to help about them. That. You know, yeah, we yeah. talked about we we hit our we hit our quote on knife talk, haven't we? We talked about the science. We're gonna. There are more questions. There are more <laughs> knife making knives. questions. We need a quota. You know, a little bit of funny and a little bit of enter- educational. You take the first one, Jeff. All right. This one comes from Chris Fochel. Fochel. I still never get your goddamn name right, Chris. I, I, I'm sorry. Hey, cutie. What do you guys think about coal forges, and why is gas better? Thanks a lot. Coal never forges versus either. gas. Oh, I've used gas. I've used gas. Never used coal, so I'm out. Over to you guys. And I've you- never used coal. All right. Well, I've used both. I prefer gas because I like the evenness. I like the fact that... It's um, it's easy to get a hold of where I am. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. getting coal can be kind of a production if you don't have a place nearby. Like see, for gas, I can just go to the gas station to fill up my my propane. That's number two. But number three is, is I do know there are a lot of blacksmiths who love coal and coke. Um, like uh, Jesse, my buddy Jesse Savage, he loves coal. Uh, Rick loves coal. A lot of blacksmiths. Uh, I know that uh, John and Cliff, they like to use coal every so often. And I will tell my one knife maker whose coal is 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 clutch to his knives is uh, Lynn Ray, who makes the X-ray knife. Oh, yeah. When I was talking yeah. to him about his the construction <clears throat> of his knives, there's so much um, you need the the coke and the coal forge allows you to focus your heat on specific spots. So like if you yep. stick your knife in a gas forge, you're going to heat the whole thing up or or one end up, but you're not going to be able to focus on the middle. So like his knife, you're focusing on when you're doing the x-ray style knife, when you're focusing on that connection between the ricasso and the end of the tank, you need to heat up the middle. So he, he's able to kind of use uh, the gas forge, uh, the coke forge, to isolate the heat so he's not heating the whole thing up mm. so uh, it, 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 and a lot of people think that coal is better i i'm it's it's really you know it's like what do you like an I, apple I, and orange yeah I've, I've heard people refer to coke versus propane as like an automatic car versus manual driving and i think they're both have their place i think coke's great uh, especially for the idea that you can isolate the heat and only heat up certain areas. But the other thing is there's a lot more that goes on, uh, goes with operating a Coke forge. You don't just set one up in your garage. Like you have to have proper ventilation. You got to figure out, there's a lot that goes into just maintaining the fire itself. Yeah. You're constantly um, adjusting the oxygen. And what happens is, is that's yeah. how you burn your steel. Yeah. If you have yeah. too much, if you walk, if you don't, if you turn on the air and you walk away, you're going to end up with a clinker at the bottom of your uh, iron pot, your pot. 
Oh, that's what he was talking yeah. about. He's talking about oh. Coke Forge. Oh, yeah, Clinker is when it, when it all... <laughs> it was a bullshit know. quiz. Thanks a lot, Rick. I love I you and I smack you. <laughs> Let's We're still bitter, Rick. Yeah, you're fucking bitter. bitter. <laughs> you're fucking bitter, guys. Gotta be... All right. We got it. Let's go on the next question. Jeez. All right, the next question is from Hal Keith, who is uh, actually Kyle Heath. He's just very trickily switched the first letter of both of his names. Anyways, he says, my wife is pregnant. Congratulations, Kyle. Uh, what are some things I can do to get some brownie points? Uh, basically <laughs> everything. I would say basically do everything. Unless yeah. she really wants to do it. But <laughs> do everything you can to help support her. She's got humans growing inside of her body that's that's uncomfortable and here's here's a pro tip don't yeah, ask for proud don't ask for brownie points and don't ask for credit nobody no there's no wife on the planet who wants to hear you go up to her and say i just folded the laundry just just <laughs> do it and shut your fucking mouth because i'm telling you it's a that you <laughs> exactly. will never get brownie points if you're looking for brownie points i talked to my wife about this and she said i, I read her this question last night and she says oh there are no brownie points you just pay the pay the bills and take out the garbage and do the laundry and do it just do it and keep your mouth shut that's what you do and do not yeah. complain if you've got a headache don't say you've got a headache and, you'll get that death stare oh. if if your leg is hanging off do not complain. You'll get the death stare because they're going through so much more. <laughs> when my wife was actually in labor, um, we'd been awake for about three days and I'd been traveling back and forth to the hospital Holy with clothes Christ. and all the rest of it. And I had a raging headache. So I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> it'd been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, ah, you know what I thought you were going to say. But, um, uh, as we were sitting there, the, the nurse came in and asked, you know, how is my wife feeling? And by this time, she's on pain relief and so on. And I, I stupidly said, excuse me, would you mind, um, would you have any headache tablets uh, for me? Not only did I get the death stare from my wife, I got the death stare from the nurses. I think it went around the whole hospital. How? Just <laughs> never complain. Never, ever yeah. complain. They're going through so much more. Yeah. Good answer. Next question is from Cotizel. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? What thickness of stock do you guys use for your kitchen knives? What steel do you prefer for both carbon and stainless? It's a lot of questions. And he's going to have to hit up that New, G New Jersey steel baron. P.S. The Groovy Girls wanted to, say, wanted to thank the knife community for all their support and kind words. Yeah. Nice. So let's start with stock first. Those are the what, bracelet makers, right? Right. Those are, oh, what was it, um, Charlie and Naomi. Nice. Good pull. Good yeah. pull, Craig. What thickness of stock do you guys use and what steels do you prefer? All right, I'll just go uh, super quick. Uh, for yeah. carbon steel, I prefer 1084. I also like uh, 52100. Uh, I've been fooling around with eighth inch. I like these days. I like thir 330 seconds. Uh, for, oh, my mistake. For, for carbon steel, I like eighth inch. When I use stainless steel, I use 440C, which I like very, 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 very much. And I've been fooling around with 330 seconds, and I've actually been fooling around with 16th inch stock. I like both those very much for carbon steel, uh, for stainless Interesting. steel. Yeah. No. For myself, when it comes to carbon, uh, I'm forging most all my stuff. But if I'm doing a, uh, whether I'm forging it or doing stock removal, I usually try to take it down to at least around uh, just under a quarter of an inch, uh, because I end up, especially because I'm forging, grinding through a lot of material to get through decarb. Um, 
But uh, if I'm doing stock removal, yeah, I'd probably shoot for three sixteenths. Yeah, so just over an eighth of an inch uh, myself. And then uh, I'm actually looking, I think, uh, what is it? New Jersey Steel Baron has um, ABL. I'm looking at trying to do some stainless stuff. And I'm going to try to do it in ABL. And I'm probably going to be looking for, I think they have the 190 thousandths or 180 thousandths, uh, which is, again, basically around 3 sixteenths of an inch. Yeah. I use, well, millimeters, 2.3 millimeters for virtually everything now. So for my chef knives and carbon, be 5200. Stainless, I like the Sandvik steel, so I use a 14C28N for stainless. Um, and my steak knives are 2.3 mil too, um, and they're all stainless. Um, yeah, I think it's the perfect sort of weight and thickness for a chef knife. You've got a really nice thin spine. Um, and it's you know it's it's strong enough, so it it works for me. Nice. Uh, this one comes from Smash It Knives and Forge. Hey, cutie, lol. I'm deploying on April first and need to keep busy out in the desert. Any tips on what I can work with knife wise while I'm out there? Thanks. And the funny part is, is he's leaving on the fucking first. This isn't going to come out to the first. So, guess what? Smash It Knife and Forge. You asked too. You asked too late, but <laughs> your data bill is going to be high. Downloading this, yeah. unfortunately. Well, if you so basically, well, if you if you were going, it could be anything. Just besides deploying, you go on vacation. How do you? What do? You, what would you bring with you to kind of keep knifing? I mean, a sharpening stone is the easy one. Um, keep everybody's knife sharp. Um, yeah, good practice. I, I don't think there's much else you could do, you know, um, with regards to what you could take. I think um, he was talking about more like, you know, keeping with designing and stuff like that. Like, how can he... He, I think he wants to make a knife or, or he wants to not... I don't think it's just... Uh, I thought it was... I, I talk it took it more like, you know, how can I make knives while I'm away? Or how can I get involved in the knife-making community? Or hmm. take, take a sketchbook, sketch out designs, um, show them to people... Um, Cut them out. Cut them out so they'd be the physical size and, and, and hold them in your hand. You know, put onto a bit of card maybe if you can. Um, I don't know if you're fortunate enough to be able to take a laptop with you, but if you can, maybe get into some um, some sort of 3D design as well or some CAD, some 2D CAD. I, um, something you can do that doesn't necessarily need, a, you know, machinery. I tell you what I would do, and because I just started doing it when I was fooling around with making uh, drawings, I got involved with buying vellum, which is like, it's like stronger than tracing paper. And what I would be doing, and this is when I'm, if I start to design uh, folding knives, I would get, because what you can do is it's strong enough that you can draw on it really with like, you know, really nice pens. It's not going to tear, but you can work one on top of the other and you can kind of, you could work out mechanisms. Like I was planning on working out folding folders and some folder action by just two pieces of vellum on top of each other. One's one section of the knife, one's the other. And I was really kind of looking forward to that as a new way of just trying to figure out moving parts. Nice. Yeah. All those sound good to me. I got nothing else to add. Well, perfect. Let's keep going. We got a lot to cover. Yeah. All right. This next one is an anonymous asker. Uh, He says, my girlfriend says she likes what I do and is proud, etc., but seems to lack interest. How do I get her in the shop? Uh, My first thought is she's probably just being very supportive. She doesn't, doesn't mean she necessarily wants to be in the shop and get all nasty dirty like we like to. 
Can she sweep up? That's terrible. That's terrible. Cut that shit. That was a joke. That was a joke. That was a bad. You you were a joke. Yeah, man. I really, you know what the funny thing is? Is Kyle, don't say something like that. My my wife. I mean, I've been with my wife over twenty years. She's never. I mean, she likes what I'm doing, but she's not. I, I I can't talk knives with her. She's just like her eyes glaze over. She doesn't. You don't need to. She doesn't need to have this. Your you guys don't have to have the same interests. I think that the best part, the best thing you can do is leave it alone because trying to convince her it's great is just going to make her be like, oh god, he's going to talk about knives and steel again. I I don't bring steel anything home anymore because it's like she don't want to see it. You know, it was the same thing when I was making sculpture. She didn't want to come. I said, you want to see the one I'm working on? She said, yeah. I, when I was finished and it was in the gallery, she would get excited and get happy for me. But, like, she, it's some people just aren't interested and just going to let them like what they like. Yeah. I, I made the mistake. I still make the mistake of mindlessly starting to blather on about troubles I'm having or heat treating issues in my <laughs> to my wife. And she basically is just like, mm-hmm, yep. Yeah, but it's <laughs> I don't blame her because she doesn't really care. Yeah. She cares that like I figure it out, but as far as as far as the problem solving, like she's got nothing to offer. She learns a lot from, through osmosis, and mostly it's just because I'm talking at her while I'm doing stuff. But yeah, just I I think uh, I think she's just being very supportive, which is which is the, the the best thing you could ask for. She's not telling you to get out of the shop. Just take it that she's supporting you, so and leave it alone. <laughs> and and anonymous, why don't you show interest in what she's doing? Yeah, that's how. And don't fucking say anything. Just keep it. This, listen, there's, she's not listening to this podcast. Just go up to her and say, "Hey, what's going? What are you up to?" And show interest in what she's doing, and maybe that'll spark it spontaneously, fake spontaneously. You know, nice. Show some. Be insincere, and then be sincere. <laughs> Jesus, that's funny. The next one from Moss Custom Knives. Hey, man, can I ask you all a question? Going on my 17-year anniversary with my wife, should I make her a gift or buy something that she wants? Come on, man. You know the answer to that. Something that she wants. Even if you make it, it needs to be something she wants. Dude, listen, I don't even think you should buy her something that she wants. I think what she wants is 17 years? She doesn't need any more of your shit. What she needs is is a vacation. (laughs) Take her somewhere for a week. (laughs) Let her put her feet up. Give her some nice drinks. Have a nice time. Go take her away from the bullshit of your house. Don't then whatever you do, don't make her a goddamn steel rose. And all you guys out there, you've learned how to make a steel (laughs) rose. That I, I you make it you make it when you're like your first year, you're a freshman in college or whatever, you're a young guy, you make one for the first girlfriend and don't do it anymore. They don't want it. They don't want your their your, your wife will not want a fake steel rose. Just don't make her anything. Take her on a vacation. Take her on a vacation. Your native New Yorker just came out in that last answer. I did she, I, when I was, she doesn't want it. She doesn't. I wait when I got, when I was in college when I had my first shop. I made her a rose, and she's like, "Ah, oh, this is nice." And the next year, I made her another thing. Oh, another flower. Oh, steel. Huh? Great. What? We knock it off. <laughs> Take her on a vacation and don't make her anything. She don't want whatever. Well, you're or make. maybe, or she, or she just let her have some time by herself. Send her off to a, like a, a spa day or something like that, where she can get a massage, Perfect. get her nails did, have her hair done. Perfect. Whatever she wants to do, or if she just wants to sit and 
drink some tea and, and read a book without you in the damn house, then get out of the damn house and leave her alone. Perfect. Give her. That's what she <laughs> wants. You're absolutely right. That's what she wants. She doesn't want your shitty gifts. She wants to be left alone. A bit of peace and quiet. She wants a peace you know and quiet. That's what she wants. There you I, go. As I say, I'm stuck in the UK at the moment, and my wife is here, obviously, with the twins. Um, and we've yet to go out. Since the twins have been born, we've yet to sort of leave them. Um, so we're staying at my sister's at the moment. And she said, look, you guys go out. You guys go out. I've got this. I'll look after the twins. And we're sitting there. We're thinking, all we really want to do is go to bed and have some sleep. Yeah. That's all we want to do. Yeah. So listen to what she wants. Don't make her anything. Give her exactly what she wants and you'll be good. Boy, don't make her anything. Oh, I made you. I made you this steel bracelet. Oh, Jesus Christ. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> All right. This next one's from Palm FR. He says, hey, cuties, uh, can I ask you a question? If you had to use only one type of steel for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, we back on knives again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would do. I'd say. Go ahead. A simple carbon steel myself. Yeah. I'd say 1084. Like a, like a 1080. 1084. Yeah. I would do a 1084. Yeah. I like 52-100. I use it a lot, so it would be that. All right. Thanks. We're moving through these, baby. Come on. Who's next? Oh, is it me again? All right. This comes from Garage Knife Shop. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? What's the best way to heat treat without a forge or heat treat oven on a budget? Get get make some friends or send it out. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. There's no other That's way. Really. That's perfect. Next question. That's the fastest we've gone through a question. That congratulations, guys. That's the fastest we've ever gone through a question. That's the only answer. <laughs> Boom. Next one. Come on. Paul for Britzy. Um, again on Instagram. Hey cutie, can I ask you a question? I can't find in what episode you heroes were talking about serrated knives and how you make them. Could you tell me? Love all your effort. You've done some serrated this week, haven't you, Jeff? I have. Thanks to my buddy um, Mareko, he gave me this tip, and I'm and I I changed. So he came over to the shop and he angled my platen. I have a I have a, a the I have a rubber wheel on the top of my platen, and I don't think that really matters that much. But it was a two inch wheel, and he just put my uh, belt on the lowest setting of the grinder, and then he just slowly, slowly, you know touched it at an angle and just slowly worked all the scallops so they were t- uh, together. I did on this last one is I have I just got a half inch wheel and I did the same thing and basically what I did was I finished the knife, I ground it uh, to uh, the geometry, I hand sanded it and then with a marker I actually marked uh, quarter inch spacings and those quarter inch spacings allowed me to kind of see where I need to go and then, so I know how um, how big of a, you know, because you can get, you know, you can go crazy if you don't have any kind of, like, visual cues. So I was using yeah. that, and then I slowly, slowly, slowly uh, made it happen, and then I started at 220, and then I bumped it down to 400, and then by the time I got to 400, I had a little bit of burr on the non-scalloped side, and I just kind of hand-sanded that off, and that was it. Yeah, exactly what I do, but where you mark them... Um... Was it a quarter inch difference I, you make? Yeah, I made quarter inch lines, and then and I made quarter inch lines. Yeah, and then I and then I ground down between the lines. At yeah, an angle. what I like to do then when I make those marks is just get a tiny little needle file and just make a very small um, sort of incision on each mark. So when you put it onto the grinder, it almost falls into that yeah. channel. So it's exactly on the on the well, the right. I, I also was time. doing it after heat treatment. Yeah. Right. 
Oh, right, yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, I do too. But yeah, just get a needle file and just the, the slightest little neck and it'll just help it fall into that gully. Thanks. Yeah, especially if it's, a, if it's a diamond abrasive file, it should be able to cut yeah. even into the hardened yeah. steel. Um, my, uh, the only thing, well, one, we're not even actually answering his question. He asked what episode that was in. We talked about it's that, but this one. I'm, just, just, I'm just being a dick. Now just it's this one. Uh, <laughs> now it's this one. You don't, have to, you don't have to look back. Now it's this one. Now it's this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, that's true. That's a good point. I, I would, the one thing I would uh, caution him about or anybody trying to do this uh, with this approach is not to go too deep. My the mistake I made with uh, actually the serrated knife that Jeff uh, graciously used in the Epicurious video. Uh, the first time I made that, I made the serrations too deep, and what happened is it blazed through the food. Great, um, but it also wanted to tear yeah. up my board because those teeth were so aggressive. Like a hacksaw. And I realized that they yeah they need to be shallower, and so. Um, I think it's it's there's some sort of magical ratio between the size of wheel you're using and uh, and the the depth that right. you want to go. It, I don't. For me, it's not necessarily about the spacing. The spacing will just work out. But for me, it's about making sure I'm not going so deep that those teeth right. are just cutting straight into the board or eating straight into the board. The other thing about cutting the serrations too deep is uh, I did have an issue a couple times while I was cutting it like a very uh, like beautiful crusty Levon and it just in- grabbed it and started tearing moving it around instead of sawing into it initially and I did catch myself actually a couple times with the knife. Um, so the other problem with the, the teeth too aggressive and too deep is that they grab and pull instead of acting like a saw and gently sawing through so well they're also different like if you get a professional offset serrated they're not like teeth like a shark they're like almost like reverse scallops for slicing so what i did was is I, i if you look at like the way if you have a, like a steak knife at home that has the scallops, it's you're you know you're cutting those you're cutting those serrations in at a very at a, at a very big angle, you know. So you know your 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 the serrations are. It's not just the fact that it's like saw teeth, but it's the angle of the where this of that scallop too. Yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, you, yeah. I don't know if so I use it a twelve millimeter contact wheel. And I, as I say, I've got those markings and I've got, a, you know, a, a very small file line uh, to make sure they're spaced evenly. And it's just a little zip, you know, so brace yourself, make sure yeah. you're not changing the angle. I mean, you could make a jig for that, I assume, to, you know, to, to help yeah. you with it. But I don't. I like to do it by eye and just and just zip them through and do it all in one pass. Nice and if you, slow. If you, move, if you move away, you're never going to find that same angle again. So do it all in one pass and just nice and nice and slow. Absolutely. All right. All right. This next one is from Quesenberry Knives. He says, "Hey man, can I ask you a question? What do you think about some hair care tips from Neil Kamamura?" He's this got the shine. Jeff. This is for Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Neil Kamamura. Number one, I, my hat. You know what a question from the great Mike Quisenberry. I'm with you. Yes. Number two, Neil Kamamura's got the best hair in knife making. Let's just be. Let's just be, I think he does. Mane. Yo, let's just not play. There's not a better head of hair in this game than Neil Kamamura. That's it. I don't know all I got to say. I tell you what, I look like shit for a reason. When I was a kid, <laughs> this is a tactical decision. When I was a kid, there was a lot of. I went to private school, 
Someday we're going to have to talk about the movie I was almost in. Not today. With a little radio tease. Footloose? Footloose? No, it was not Footloose. (laughs) Way worse. Way worse. Goodwill Hunting? No, way worse. This is going to be be such a shithouse. I'm not that old, you goddamn it. (laughs) Urban Cowboy? I'm not that old, goddamn it. What the fuck? What is this, Buster Keaton? Come on, man. But I tell you what, um, superficial... My family really liked that whole superficial, the way you looked, and they were more interested. In, people were more interested in the way you looked, and I was very always. I wanted to be known for not how I looked, because when I was younger, brace yourselves, I was a cutie patootie. I, I tell you what, it, I was Mister Steal Your Girl when I was a kid, man. I was, I was, uh, I was a cute kid, and I hated the fact that that's how I was known. <laughs> so I really, I think that's probably one of the reasons why I wanted to get into doing sculpture, because I really wanted to be known for what I'm doing and my con the content. So I look haggard and I think that's a, I think that's a trauma from a younger time. And I could never have such nice hair. I couldn't have this look over 50 years. What'd you say? I said, it's a curated look over 50 years, 50 years. Yeah. You motherfucker. It's not 50 years old, man. Come on, man. And I tell you what, I got curly hair on the side. I couldn't have a long head. I got big old forehead too. I could never look as good as Neil. If I had long hair, beautiful, long, silky hair like Neil, I could never look as good as that guy. <laughs> I can't do it, Mike. I'm sorry. This is, this is what you get. You get, you know, you get haggard, spent. I'm, 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 man. I look, I look rough, man. <laughs> worn out Vince Vaughn. A <laughs> uh, worn out Vince Vaughn, man. I look raggedy, raggedy. I look I raggedy. Think, I think Neil's Neil's secret is Hawaii. There's, there's a lot of moisture in the air. It's very sunny. It's pretty, uh, and and a lot of fresh produce grown right there. You know, yeah. yards from his house, and uh, and. Uh, you know, coconut oil. And look at me. I got the the brags, the roof, the messed up tooth. I look terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> we need to spot hair tips by Neil. Yeah. If he could just record oh, a couple dude. and send them through, we put them in each best week. Hair, best hair, in the, best hair around. I, I, you're the champion. Best hair, in the, best hair in the biz. Best hair in the biz. Next, next one is DK Ren. Hey, QT, can I ask you a question? Why are so many custom knives take down construction? Is that a benefit to that type of construction? I mean, so my take on the takedowns is that it, it adds another level of skill that it takes and attention to detail. It really requires um, a lot of skill and forethought to build something that you can then take back apart. And not only just take it back apart, but for it to look beautifully uh, executed when you do take it back apart. Because that's the other thing is you're getting at – it's like models. It's like, uh, you know, like toy the, – building airplane models and trucks and stuff like that and cars uh it's the same kind of idea with a takedown stuff where you're not painting it or anything but it's just being able to take it apart put it back together just uh, it's a testament to the level of a maker's skill to be able to construct and build by hand a knife that can do something like that um i think some of the simpler takedowns there are some uh what is it like bush craft knives or big mm. choppers that are designed to take down, and that's because uh, a lot of them get in. They'll get dropped in the mud and the and the puddles or lakes or carried through them and see seawater and shit like that. And uh, if you you want to be able to take that apart uh, and dry things out and clean them out properly, uh, but usually those are pretty simple. It's just a forged blade uh, or even a, a whatever you know a stock remove. It's a blade, uh, a handle, and like a, a nut that fastens it on the from the bottom or bolts from the side and that's it 
those are pretty straightforward. The other ones are kind of more on that kind of artsy um, side of things. Yeah, that's perfect. Which I think perfect. Jeff would disagree with. I would but. no, I 100% agree with you. I love art. I'm with yeah. you. Knives are art. <laughs> I'm with you. But I, I've only seen. <laughs> oh my god! What? <laughs> you had a change I, of heart here. Yeah. Yeah. Knives are art. I've only seen takedown knives, which is sort of EDCs or hunting knives, that kind of thing. I've never seen a takedown knife for as a culinary knife. Um, Mm-hmm. Who knows? I once maybe some other. I once saw back in the day when I was in the kitchen. I actually got. I think it was from Ag Russell. I think they still have it. They have a folding chef knife, and I I always thought that is the dumbest and coolest thing of all time. And I got it, and then I gave it to Tony, and Tony lost it. That was a long time ago. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I always wanted to do a folding kitchen knife. I just thought that we thought that was would be a funny thing to do. You said it all. All right, let's keep going. Craig, this one's for you. Go ahead, you read this one. Oh, I see what's going on here. I see what's going on. You don't see nothing. Go ahead. From AL. Uh, my husband met two men on the internet and now spends his days them on in- messaging them on Instagram. If that wasn't bad enough, he vanishes every Saturday afternoon to spend hours talking to them and he even records the conversations to listen back to later. Should I be worried? I think she, my I think darling, my darling. I think this is from my wife. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. A L. Amy Lockwood. Yeah, it is from your wife. No need. No need to worry. No need to worry. Can, I mean, if Jeff, if Jeff had hair like Neil, maybe there's something to worry about. Yeah. But he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> We're all good. I'm charming. I, 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 I'll, don't worry about the hair. I'll make it happen. I'll make it happen. Trust me. I'll charm the shit out of you, dude. <laughs> oh, that's an image I really don't really want to <laughs> Listen, see. Really listen, don't. Amy. I, I read this to my. I read this to my wife, and she said you should worry, but there's nothing you can do about it. That's the answer. <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it. Have you made this up, or did she genuinely send? She this? genuinely, she, of course, she sent it to me, and I was just like, "You made the, you made the episode," and I and I kept it to myself and just put it in there because that's what happens. So too your wife thinks your your wife thinks you're a creep. How you like that? <laughs> All I'm right, being groomed. Next... I'm being groomed. You're being groomed. <laughs> <laughs> Get the Neil Camamora hair, and then you'll be groomed. <laughs> Come on, man. <sighs> All right. This next one is from Fans of the Forge. Those are our peeps, Chris, Teresa, and Sean. Uh, they say, hey, cuties, can we ask you a question? What is your monster truck spirit animal, Which monster, uh, in parentheses, which monster tr- truck do you personally identify with? When I was a kid. I'm going to say grave, grave Digger because oh. that's the only one I can think of. When I was a kid. I was uh, like seven or eight. Somebody asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. I said I wanted to be a fire truck. So that's the answer. My daughter always loves that. She says, what? What do you say? I said, I wanted to be a fire truck. So that's the answer. That's, my spirit animal that's is That's my a fire son truck. right now. Yeah, yeah. My son wants to be a fire truck. Well, that, there you go, man. I, that kid of yours is the best. Go ahead. He's pretty awesome. Go ahead, Craig. What do you want to be when you grow up? I'm I'm sitting this out. I don't know the name of a single monster truck. I uh, me neither. What about big truck? Yeah, big. You foot. could be a dump truck. <laughs> Shouldn't go around <laughs> dumping stuff. <laughs> you got that truck. You got that dump truck. All right. Next question. You could be a great, front loader. Great, be an excavator. A not not. But, <laughs> side note. Hey Chris, come on man. You do an interview show. That's the best question you got. Come on man. Come on man. Chris. Chris, fans of the forge. You got a whole podcast asking questions. That's the question. Come on, man. 
All right, this next one comes from Hillside Forge. Hey, guys. So I'm curious as to what you guys consider your favorite meal to cook up. What's your favorite meal? Oh. Oh, We've asked this before, haven't we? Um, Mine, I'm going to go back to that old classic of a spaghetti bolognese. Simply Mm. because it's one of those easy things to cook. Everybody has their little twist on them. Um, and it's just it's just a massive favourite in my house to the point where we've got the, the we have something called the bolognese bloat. I love it so much that I'll eat it so much that I'm nearly physically ill. It's the bolognese bloat. It's it's famous throughout the family. Um, for me, it's definitely a bolognese. What do you think? After you got some. Uh, well, I will say. Or you that, want me to go first? No, I'm happy to. I actually, uh, back in the day, I lived in a building with these a lot of Japanese people, and these Japanese people, we'd all eat together a lot. And I made chicken teriyaki that was so good that one of their guests who came from Japan said, "I make a pretty good teriyaki." And then at the time, there was that show Iron Chef, and they said, "She said," she, and then her her guests were uh, the host said, "Ah, Jeff makes a really good teriyaki." So he said, well, let's do an Iron Chef. So I Iron Chefed against a Japanese mom. And we did a a chicken teriyaki uh, challenge. And I fucked her up. I brought the juice. (laughs) I whooped her ass. I showed her how it is. Even the Japanese people said, didn't give me the nod. I'll make some chicken teriyaki that'll, that'll make you cry a little bit. Is this the same building that you lived in where you uh, you threatened your neighbor? Yes. And then you, you went to the wrong neighbor? Yes, it was. And that the person <laughs> that I threatened was not the person who judged who I didn't threaten the judge. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. Maybe I was so threatening that he didn't want to vote for me. He, he wanted to vote for me. And, uh, it was the same building. Yes, it was. But yep, my chicken teriyaki is... I'm, I'll, I'll change your life with that thing. So that's the answer to that. Nice. I gotta say, my favorite is to make up a, a pineapple pizza. Oh, you go. That's <laughs> goddamn. <laughs> no. God, never gonna. Ah, you have no idea how many pineapple pizzas people send me. Okay, so what Good I really answer, love doing is cooking breakfast. I love cooking breakfast. Um, and one of my favorites to do is, and I haven't done it in a while, actually. Uh, but it's it's a pretty simple uh, you know, eggs Benedict, um, the nice hollandaise, all made from scratch. Uh, I do I do my Benedict though on waffles, so I do like a nice. savory Benedict, um, and so I make my waffles from scratch too. Use a nice brown butter in there and make it all super tasty and delicious. And then uh, some simple uh, what like a little bit of bacon on the side, maybe a couple pieces of bacon and some uh, country uh, fried potato kind of situation, skillet potatoes. Huh. Call it good. Oh, simple, oh, very good, and all from there scratch. I'm a breakfast guy. There you go. When okay. I have time. So we got Mareko's uh, waffled Benedict for breakfast. We've got Jeff's chicken teriyaki for lunch, and we'll take my bolognese for dinner. All right, there you go. Beautiful. We're all squared we'll do away. It. We'll do it. Let's go. Keep going. We're we're, we're piling through. We're firing through. Next one from Tristan underscore zero eight. Hey man, can I ask you a question? What knife would you use to cut people out of your life? Ooh. That's deep. That's oh, deep. Wow. We're worried about you. Worried. Yeah, he sounds Cut like he's got some. out of your life. He's got some. He's got, he got some toxic situation going on, and he he wants to he wants to get people out. I change your phone number. Change the locks on your doors. Stop talking to him. You need a little willpower. That's what it, that's what I say. Get some new yeah, friends. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're worried about you. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, he 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 got a he got a yeah, a hard one there. As much a relationship question, our answer is terrible. I say what you do is uh, you know, uh, what do you say to that? We're lost for words. Yeah, lost yeah. For words. Guess what? That was a great choice, Craig. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Boom! Nice job, Craig. I got a relationship advice. Let's pick some good questions. Oh man, that was a good one. That was a good one, Rebecca. That was a good one. All right. Uh, here, I'll pick this. I'm just going to go with this next one uh, from on the list. So uh, this next question is from at Stonehouse Forge. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? What are some of the tips uh, to save your arm when forging with a hammer and an anvil all day? Uh, I would say if, my first tip would be maybe not to forge all day. It's but, this is I mean, that's just me. It's it's just like running. You can't just go straight to a marathon, and and you have to kind of build up that that uh, muscular callus. You have to build the muscles so you can do it all day. There is something to be said about uh, ergonomic forging. Um, there is something to be said about you know pacing yourself, but you can't just you know when usually I when I see people who are going to their first day of blacksmithing class, I usually say get yourself some good 3M. Uh, tape for your the blisters and know that the first day is going to be the worst because your, your arms aren't used to it if i don't forge for a yeah. couple of weeks the first day out is usually kind of tough like when i did modern forge i i forged all week long you know like 30 40 50 an hour a day just to kind of loosen my shit up because you got to really work to it it's 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 just it's not it's you have to almost treat it like uh sports i mean it's like it's exactly the, I mean, the same kind of motions, and you you can just really really, really fuck yourself up. Not to mention the tinnitus. I the first when I first started working in the Center for Mental Arts, I had tennis elbow in my not my hammer hand, but my managing hand, the hand I hold the uh, the uh, tongs with, and that was because I, my arm was just not used to um, the movement of holding tongs and turning things around, and I got uh, ten, uh, tendinitis tendinitis from from that, and I had to get one of those little pads that uh push on your you know tendons and kind of keep you squared away but you gotta yeah. you gotta you have to treat yourself I th- i've always felt like with blacksmithing especially if you're doing it full-time you kind of have to like really be very very aware of that it isn't like sitting in a drill press all day you know it's super physical yeah well and you, you don't have a choice but to work hard i mean it's just hard work but you got to work smart too uh, and so I think being smart about how, like you were talking about ergonomics, but also breaking it, breaking up your day, you know, and I can't, I can't, I have a hard time and I don't know if Jeff would know better work coming from a blacksmithing shop, but I feel like there's gotta be other stuff that you can do to break up your day. So you're not just forging all day straight. Like you, or, or if, you know, if you have to forge all day straight, Take a break. Well, take a break. It's interesting because what good are you if you can't swing the damn hammer anymore? Well, in a professional environment, too, you know, part of part of it is also efficiencies. Like in a professional environment, I wasn't stand. I wasn't the, if I was doing like pickets. I would. There was a couple of weeks where I was just making pickets. I was making the points. I was starting the points on the power hammers. I had two power hammers going. One with uh, combination dies and one with uh, crown dies, fuller full ring dies. And when we were making the power hammer leaf, you know, finial. I was using the the I was using all I was using the hand hammer was was to kind of straighten everything up and kind of planish because you if you have to do a thousand pickets by hand you're you're crazy yeah. you have to figure out efficiency in regards to that you have to figure out efficiency if I, if I had to hand hammer you know a thousand pickets it's impossible 
you know, or or I would it would be very much more expensive. So we're figuring out efficiencies, but also that is, you know, I was always worried that if I had hurt myself, I know I'm not working, and if I'm not working, I'm not getting paid. So you have to figure out, you know, you know, ways in which to be careful. What about your setup? Things like anvil height and hammer weight, that kind of thing. How how would they affect you? Uh, well, it, I think that it depends. You know, it's interesting because, you know, I talk with Mareko a lot because he uses a, a traditionally a heavier hammer than a lot of people. And that's because he's using it to clean things up. He's not standing in front of the anvil forging his integral knives. You know, um, I think that anvil height is different for, you know, shorter anvils are good for striking anvil. I know a lot of guys, I never knew about striking anvils being on the shorter side. Like a lot of guys like their anvils a little bit shorter if they're doing striking teams. Um, you got to figure out what works for you and, and, and shoes are important and, and rubber mats are important and you have to really be careful because I think the most important thing is, is just easy every day and just loosen your shit up. This next question comes from Robinson Knives. Where do you buy your steel for your Damascus? Well, I'll tell you where I buy my steel. I buy my steel from the New Jersey Steel Baron. This is a great company with the Aldos. No, with the Brunos, Aldo Bruno and uh, and Pete Bruno, uh, New Jersey Steel Baron does a great job with lots of different steels, different sizes. Their website is very easy to kind of scroll through to figure out what you need. Um, they also do a lot of water jet services where if you have your you have whatever you want to have made in a file, you can send it to them. They have all the steel and they'll make what you need. Uh, super fast turnaround in regards to that. Uh, they're great guys, and we're lucky that they're our sponsors. Yeah, they've got a new website coming up very soon as well. We, we keep being promised every week that it, it's nearly there. Uh, but as soon as they do, we're going to have some deals for our listeners as well. So you can try out a different steel maybe or a different different size stock. Um, we've got it coming very soon, so stick with yeah, us. Yeah, come on, Pete. Hurry up! Craig's Community Showcase. This is the part of the show where we show some love to fellow makers or those knife-making industry adjacent, um, but just people that we really enjoy, who we just maybe just met or are inspiring us. And so, uh, so yeah, we're going to kick it off with uh, Mr. Craigie Poo. Who do you got, my fan? <laughs> Craigie Poo. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm going to destroy this guy's name, but I, I think it's Van Hook Blades. So Van Hook underscore Blades. He's a 16-year-old uh, Dutch kid um, called Vanda, um, and he makes chef knives. They're, they're hidden tang knives, and they're just incredible. The, the skill for a 16-year-old is just incredible. And he reached out to me this week um, wondering about one of my knives, um, so we started a little conversation there. But I was just looking through his feed, and it's just, man, if I could if I could do what he does you know, at my age, let alone being at 16, I'd be I'd be over the moon. So so go check out his work. It's Van Hook underscore Blades, um, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes because I'm probably murdering that name. It probably isn't right. I think it's pretty good. I think it's fine. You know, these young guys, these young guys are. It's so great seeing these young guys do such high level stuff, and it's it's just terrific. And you, and they're smart kids. A lot of these kids. They look to yeah. the older. They're very interested in what older people are doing, and uh, you know, the, you know, they're very introspective. They want to get better. There, it's fantastic, super fantastic. So support these young guys. I'd like to give an, a long overdue 
love to my brother, Kev Slattery. That's Kev's Forge. He is a great guy. He's been in the tank with us for a long time. And Kev Slattery is an awesome guy. Kev's Forge. He's uh, he's life partners with Mert Tansu. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe oh my God. <laughs> maybe not life partners, <laughs> but they're good buddies. And um, he's in uh, Canberra, <laughs> Australia. He's a member of the Australian Knife Makers Guild. He's an ABS apprentice. He's a knife making teacher, and he has got the swole. He might. Neil might have the best hair, but I think I think Kev's got the biggest pythons. He's got some big old arms. <laughs> oh boy, I'll boy, I'll put it on you. He got some big old arms. Huge python. Yeah. What? I got one python. I don't know about one python. What the hell's a python? Yeah, big old boy. Python. Pythons. Big arms. Kev's got Kev's got the Kev's Kev's a big dude. He actually I arm wrestled him at Blade Show. How'd you do? I lost. Oh, no, no shit. I lost. No shit, that boy. He's a giant. He's, he's a fucking rock hard. He looked like he had no, some not, sort of allergic reaction to something because he's big. He big he's all swollen up. <laughs> I love that dude. Yeah, listen, he's a great guy. The guys in Australia are terrific, and Kev is such a great guy. He's an awesome teacher, too. Every so often, I think yeah. he's got a shop by his house and he's got these all these guys in his shop and they're making stuff and he's just a dynamite guy super supportive awesome knife maker incredible bladesmith uh and um i'm proud i'm proud to be his friend and you guys you gotta follow him he makes awesome knives a great dude yeah some of the knives i'm seeing coming up australia at the moment are amazing amazing we need to get there we need to get and have a look we'll we'll see We'll see. Yeah, I'd love to see that stuff firsthand. See. Especially meet some of these guys firsthand. Last year at Blade Show was the first time I got to really meet a lot of Australians. Um, but yeah, Kev, Kev is a great guy, super talented. He's also an official model for the Smith and Bard T-shirts. Oh yeah, you <laughs> for had, Fire. You had to stretch out those stretch out those sleeves to get up with those. <laughs> His arms are like, like my he's legs. Wearing it. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh. It looks like he's wearing a child shirt when he was yeah. when he's wearing that shirt. Yeah. However, I did break his balls because he was uh, at one point, and here you go, Kev. You get this. You get the. This is called the slap and tickle. I gave you the nice stuff. Now I'm gonna give you the hard stuff. He was wearing some black socks. He he should have been wearing. Uh, he should have been wearing Craig's uh, moon boots. His little shoes. His little shoes. He had some. Blue, <laughs> he had some black socks. And I'm like, man, what's going on with those socks? And he goes, oh, I gotta wear the black socks. Yeah, Kev's, Kev's makes he's a scary guy, but he likes the black socks when he's working. Stinky feet, yeah, black, black socks. We did that last week. Come on, baby. Alright. I'm I'm gonna give some love to Ellard Blacksmithing. Uh so last week we were talking about or I guess not last week, but a few weeks ago, we were talking about the uh the fly press and using it to forge and um and Jeff got a talking to by our friend uh Mr. Jesse Savage. I got a talking to by a lot of people. But Ellard Blacksmithing is a—he's a young guy. Uh, I think his profile says he's 18 years old, and he's using a fly press to make awesome mosaic Damascus, and he's forging integral chef's knives using a fly press. So Jeff, you were right; it can be done. It's labor intensive, yeah. uh, and this kid is busting ass to make this stuff happen. But it's crazy. He's get—he's getting it done, and he's using a fly press. I would. Um, I would totally. It's get super one. impressive. I, I. You know what? After yeah. I got my ass handed to me about the fly press thing, I really started <laughs> saying, you know what? Maybe I should get a fly press. I would totally get a fly press. This kid's awesome. Uh, this, I mean, it's if you can make it happen with a fly press without knocking your brains out of your head by like, what do you, mean? Yeah. you know, you. God bless you. I would totally get a fly press. Chris Cash, if you're listening, yeah. you got any fly presses? I want that. I want that Sunset Forge deal. Give me a come on, baby. <laughs> 
Nice. But that's who I got. He's he's down in Tasmania. Give him a fo- follow. He's Ellard Blasphemy on Instagram. And he's doing some really, really cool and inspirational stuff with, like I said, very crude stu- uh, tools. Uh, shows that he's definitely got some talent and uh, some gumption to make it happen. Awesome. So we've got one thing left to do, and that's to thank one of our sponsors, Combat Abrasives. As soon as the show is finished, you can jump straight online and use the promo code and buy whatever you need. So they've got belts, discs, epoxies. They even do stabilized woods. They do everything you need. So that's combatabrasives.com. And if you use the promo code KNIFETALK10, you'll get 10% off anything that you buy anything the three of us we all use combat abrasive belts their shredders are amazing but what they've started to do just the last few weeks they've started to make these like beginner packs so they'll have a bunch of different types of belts so you can see what works for you and the way that you work so go and take a look at combatabrasives.com and remember to use that promo code knife talk 10 and thank you to anybody who's using any of our sponsors. I love the way that you're you're tagging us, you're putting stuff on Instagram so the sponsor can see, we can see, and you all seem to be really happy with it. So thank you very much. Yeah, make sure to tag us. We'll share it back up. We love seeing that Definitely. stuff. Definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. Fantastic. So that's a, that's a show. It's been a busy one. So make sure that you you subscribe to us on Instagram. We are Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. Make sure you are subscribing to the podcast, whether you're using Spotify or iTunes or the podcasting app or whatever you're using. There's going to be a way to subscribe and give us a review. Nice. They really help us. Certainly. Give us a review. Definitely. Yeah, it helps us reach more people. Yeah. Helping, helping people. That's what this is about. Yeah. Do you know what we should do in the future? We should only accept questions that come from a review. Oh, God. They're going to be the worst questions. It's going to be pineapple pizza all the time. Please, <laughs> it's please, so good. please stop sending me the pineapple pizza. Don't tag me in your pineapple pizza pictures. I know. I know. You like it. It's, I like it. I love, Go ahead. You have no idea what this whole pineapple pizza thing is. It's, just, it's, it's exhausting. But I'll take it for this podcast. Goodbye. That's a show. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>